I want me some glory hole. Kind of circumcising the mosquito. We got our ass kicked. In my opinion, that sucks. What's going on, everybody? This is the Philly Experience Podcast, and today it's going to be a little different. Just T and I in the studio today. You know what they say, early bird gets the worm as we're recording this episode. <laughs> Saturday, October 24th in the early morning. Um, so, T, let's get right into it. All right. Uh, Eagles football came early this week. It did. We had a Thursday night matchup against the Giants. And we had a Bird's Nest episode come out for the Philly Experience yesterday. So, I'll let you dive into this We know game. it's hard. What was your first impression of this game? And how do you feel after escaping fairly with that win? I am still not satisfied. This team is still horrible. <laughs> and it, it's there's no getting around that. Like, I'm sorry. There's there's nothing that you can do to tell me that this team is an adequate team because it's not. You barely got by a Giants team. Barely. And to be honest with you, I I thought that game was lost, okay, about fourth quarter. Midway through the fourth quarter, I said, all right, this game is done. It wasn't until... Yeah. That dirty hit on Deshaun Jackson. And then I said, oh, I think they woke up a sleeping giant in this Eagles team. Now the Giants are going to lose. Yeah. Honestly, if it wasn't for that hit, the Eagles would have lost. But because they rallied back due to the Deshaun Jackson dirty hit and injury, which now he has a high ankle sprain, which now he's going to be out for now more significant time, um, I think that's what rallied the troops, honestly. And I got to say, I am very critical of Carson Wentz this season. As a matter of fact, a lot of after that huge clutch touchdown pass to Boston Scott at the end of the game, a lot of people were um, on Twitter basically saying, you know, hey, you know, the savior is back and this, that, the third, and the other. And I'm I'm just like, I'm not ready for that because until he can take what he did in that fourth quarter and do it throughout the entire game, I'm not going to be satisfied with how he is performing. I'm not. Because through three quarters, you played like a below-average quarterback. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember, Tanner, during one part of the game, there was a series where we could have really took the momentum of the game, and Carson Wentz was doing everything that a quarterback is not supposed to do wrong. He was scrambling recklessly, all right? Um, I believe on one pass he had a, um intentional grounding because he couldn't get the ball to a certain – he couldn't get out of the um, – couldn't get out of the box – to uh to negate that um to negate that penalty and then you know he's throwing across the body to Travis Fulgham which Travis Fulgham almost came down with it but even still you don't want to do things like that those are things that are going to get your team in trouble and I'm sorry I even listened to the press conference um I listened to the press conference after the game and um after and the day after press conference and people you know when he came out people were making comparisons to um, Brett Favre and things of that nature, and that's fine. That That's fine, but here's the thing. Brett Favre was reckless, okay? I don't want my quarterback to be reckless, okay? Yes, he has the arm talent that he can fit that ball anywhere he wants to. There's no doubt about that. However, given that, he still has to be smarter with the ball. I'm not satisfied with him doing stupid things like that. Those are rookie quarterback mistakes for a fifth-year quarterback, and I'm not accepting it. I don't care who you are. I don't pay you that much money 
for you not to be developing your talent. And listen, I'm sorry, but once again, yes, I'm still going to fuss about Carson Wentz because it is a simple fact that you still don't have very good pocket presence. You don't. You do not feel pressure in that pocket, okay? You are nervous inside of that pocket. You have yet to sometimes step up into that pocket. Yes, that pocket isn't isn't going to be perfect all the time, but you have to work with what you have to work with. And then that leads me to another thing in terms of with Doug Peterson and his play calling. If you see that your offensive line is struggling, you have all these guys who aren't your starters on the offensive line blocking for your franchise quarterback. Don't you think in the back of your mind you want to call more quick plays instead of long developing plays that forces Carson Wentz to take five, seven step drop backs, you know, Maybe develop some plays where he only takes two to three steps and get the ball out of his hands. Just get the offense moving. Like and even with the and even with the run game not being too too much relevant against the Giants. Like, come on now. Like help your help your team out. Help your quarterback out. Okay, these deep dropbacks, they're not working because you're not gonna get time in the pocket to do that. Okay? Yes, we do have the burners that they can go deep and catch the ball. Yes, we can do that. However, given that, you will still have to be smart with the football. Still. There's no excuses. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned that that Djax injury that I know for sure it fired you up in, in the group chat. You were you were going on about that. And it kind of surprised me that it was only a high ankle sprain. Honestly, yes. To tell you the truth. I, I thought he, he was his season was over. Yes. I thought for sure that was the last time we were gonna see the Deshaun Jackson in the Eagles jersey. Honestly, but, honestly, the reason you know, why I got fired up is because in the game of football, there is an unwritten rule where, you know, it's already a violent game and you don't know, you know, if you're playing your last play or not. That's bad enough. But it doesn't help when you intentionally injure a player. That second hit was dirty. OK, and it took and that's the hit that took Deshaun Jackson out. All right. He twisted his limb as he was on the ground. That's not cool. That, there is an unwritten rule in football for that. As players, we're not supposed to do that. That was dirty, and as soon as I seen that, I said no. I said I don't. I may not care too too much about this season or getting to the playoffs this season, but doggone it, y'all better win this game for Deshaun because that's ridiculous. That's dirty. That's not. That should not be accepted in the NFL today. That was a cheap yeah, that shot. Was de- yeah, that was that was definitely uncalled for. The play was already over. And I don't even know exactly which player that was. Uh, I don't know if you do that. Nope. That took that. Uh, took that. Somebody had highlighted. Somebody had highlighted it, it to me, but I was like, "Oh, he's irrelevant." It, like I'm not even going to remember his name. I don't even want to talk about his name. No. But anyway, it would not be an Eagles game if there were no injuries. <sighs> and Ridgeway, he's now out for the season. Five <laughs> big injuries. <sighs> and to addition of the Djax injury. Lane Johnson was struggling with that knee injury early what? in the game, but he he went back out there. He did, and he he played just with Jason Kelsey. That I noticed he was fighting this whole game. He was. I mentioned on the bird's nest. Every down, he was just out there pushing. You could see there was something going on with him. I don't know if he was maybe sore or something, but he did have that one play where he he took the guy's helmet off. Yeah, but we'll we'll negate that because of it's just the Philly the Philly push that he has. It's just the the heart and and the absolute the willpower to be out there supporting 
a cast that is mostly practice squad players. I mean, these guys, Jason Kelsey and Carson Wentz were the, and also Deshaun Jackson were the only starters out there on the field. I fuss fuss about Jason Kelsey all the time on gridiron films about how, you know, he's not the atypical center where, you know, the center is usually a little bit more bigger and bulkier and he's more slight and quick and agile and I do complain sometimes about him going up against bigger defensive tackles in the NFL and him getting pushed around, but he played with heart on Thursday. I'm not right. going to deny that. Yeah. So that's really that's really my guy that I want to highlight at along with Boston Scott. Of course. He was yeah, I mean, he was productive in both um sides. He was uh in the receiving game and also you know, it, it wasn't what you wanted to see. You wanted to see a little more maybe against this Giants defense, but this season, for some reason, they have a better defensive line, and we saw that against the Cowboys game where Dak Prescott went down with injury. We mm-hmm. were surprised, and I personally think the Giants should have won that game they because they were playing better. They were. That but, defense, man, our defense is sorry. Yeah. Uh, Nonetheless, <laughs> Boston Scott, three catches, 46 yards and that winning touchdown and on the ground 12 rushes 46 yards now take there's two other guys rushing this ball um that were running back Carson Wentz rushed seven times 14 yards and he got that uh, opening drive touchdown Mm -hmm. but Clement and Huntley Clement rushes twice for nine yards Mm -hmm. and Huntley two times for 13 yards personally I don't know why Clement's even on this team anymore because uh, we're not really seeing production from him. I know he's he's just, you know, he's used for body. He's used for experience. And I just don't think we're going to see his Super Bowl caliber play anymore. It's the one thing that I talked about before on previous shows, and that is he's around for sentimental value. He was a big, a huge part of this Super Bowl win. But here's the thing. This franchise has got to stop looking at that. Super Bowl, okay? Yes, you finally got one after all these years, but doggone it, it's time to move on. It's time to think about the next one. How are we going to get the next one? How are we going to develop a team to get that next one? Like, come on now. You can't you can't continue looking back at the past. If a player is not performing up to his usual standards, then you have to cut ties with that player, okay? Listen, this is a business at the end of the day. And I understand that you're going to feel a certain way towards a certain player, but here's the thing. A team should be structured with its foundation players. So typically that's a quarterback, that's maybe one or two offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen, maybe a linebacker, a corner, or a safety, and that's your that's your core team right there. Everybody else is pretty much a filler of uh Pretty much a filling. You know, every once in a while you get a star right receiver, but yeah, pretty much everybody else is a filling. So listen, you can't have sentimental value when it comes to business. You just can't get rid of some of these players that aren't performing up to their standards. And that's period point blank. Corey Clement is one of them. Listen, I appreciate Corey Clement for what he did and what he brought to this city. He brought something to this city that no other team before has done. And I appreciate that. However, it is time to move on. No more holding on to players for sentimental value. Please, that's done, okay? As much as I like Deshaun Jackson, I'm sorry. At the end end of this season, you got to find a way to cut ties. And I I love Deshaun Jackson. I do. He's brought some excellent memories here, but it's time to let him go. Alshon Jeffrey, time to let him go. Brandon Graham, 
Look, I, I feel as though it's time to let Brandon Graham glow. It might be this whole team. Um, T. I mean, this team's getting old, first of all. And uh, there's just some guys on here that have not been the same since that Super Bowl season. No. Um, I mean, we even had problems with Zach Ertz before going out with that injury, which he, which that injury might have just saved him from being traded it's from ridiculous. this team. Um, and you know, talk about sentimental value. Let's go to Jake Elliott. T. I've been on the defensive side of Jake Elliott. I'm um, sick I've been this. backing him up, saying he's he's not a. This isn't Madden football. He can't kick um sixty five plus yard field goals all the time, but um. He missed that 29-yard field goal that almost uh, almost lost us. What the is game. going on back there? Oh, my goodness. And, <laughs> it's not. You know, it, <laughs> I don't I mean, it, it, people are saying people are saying let's cut Jake Elliott. But you can't do that because, listen, that's seven point nine million dollars of dead cap. It's exactly. And I know I know the Eagles might be paying the the invisible man that um that tackled Daniel Jones down the uh down the stretch running in that end zone, but, um, he can't be you know uh, that that's under the table we're paying him we can't afford to leave 7.9 million dollars of dead cap on it on you know on the table if we if we cut jake elliott i think this might be if he keeps up this play if he misses a i i say if he misses another field goal that's it for him Oh, uh, next my year. My goodness. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you said, I'm not expecting him to make a 65 yard field goal. Um, that's, that's like, that's freakish. Now that's something that he right. can do, but that's freakish and that's rare. So I don't, I don't expect those things of him, but what I do expect you to make is everything from 40 yards and in. I do expect you to make those because that's what I'm paying you for. Especially since I resigned you not too long ago and you can't even, if you're not even trusted enough, that you can make the chip shots, the twenty, the twenty-something yarders, that's a problem. Once again, I have a strong disdain for kickers. I just do. Okay, kickers don't do anything but kick the damn ball. All right, they don't practice with the rest of it, with the, everybody else. They don't have to practice tackling, tackling drills. They don't have to go through the Oklahoma drill with everybody else. They don't have to mess with a, a body bag like everybody else. Your damn job is to kick the ball through an upright. That's your only job. And you and when you can't do that right, I gotta find somebody else. Look, man, if Jake Elliott don't get himself together, listen, he's gonna be on the way out. I'm not gonna be surprised if maybe sometime while during these off days that they have until uh, Dallas next week, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a couple of kickers. They might even bring in a couple of kickers during the bye week after the Dallas game. I don't know. Depends on how Jake Elliott plays during the Dallas game. But I would not be surprised if they start trying out some kickers. Because yeah. listen. Jake Elliott, he's not he's not reliable like he used to. He can hit those long bombers. He can hit those. It's the short ones though, the easy ones. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Jake Elliott, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pull a, a Kobe esque type of staying at the at the field, just kicking field goal after field goal until I'm confident with uh with that ball going in between the uprights. And T to finish this Eagles talk and move you. on to a little more NFL talk let's just run through these stats and this team's got to treat this game as a loss in practice mm -hmm. and Carson Wentz I mean first first uh first half 26 passes thrown uh 15 completed 171 yards and that typical interception that usually creeps its way into Carson Wentz stats. are you kidding me 
Uh, he ended up 25 of 43, 359 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. You see, that's kind of impressive stats if you're looking at it, didn't watch the game. But you throw 43 passes and, you know, you either lose that game or it's a close game because yep. that, that's, a lot, that's a lot of balls thrown. And Richard Rodgers, uh, top receiver in this game, six catches, 85 yards. You go down to Fogel. Five catches, 73 yards. Greg Ward, five catches, 42 yards. And Jackson with three three to himself, 34 yards. I could go through the stats, but you know what's impressive mm. is, as we mentioned, Boston Scott's game-winning catch in that toss from Carson Wentz. That's what they need to – that's what they bring the momentum from, that winning drive. They score the first opening drive of the game. They let the Giants score – the, the straight three touchdowns and it's just the momentum builder is just going to come off that last drive honestly yeah. and that's that's a shame because this was a Giants team that we really could have taken advantage of if we were at full health and an actual good team and not just two four and one atop the the trash NFC East division T I wish we could be talking about guys like Russell Wilson on our team as we transition into oh, the NFL as a whole Russell Wilson, to me, as I mentioned at the end of this episode, man. is the MVP. No Getting doubt when he has that ball in his hand with even just a minute or less on that clock, I'm sure his team has the full confidence, and I know Coach Carroll does too, that he's going to march up the field and score the points needed. Yo, man, now, get no argument for me when it uh, comes to Russell Wilson, man, and that MVP yeah. conversation because – throughout the years and actually his entire career basically is that Russell Wilson has basically made um, something out of nothing. All right. Most times he really doesn't have the best offensive lineman in the world, but he makes do with what he has. He may not have a good offensive line, but he has those wheels on him. And he also has, he's always had receivers on the outside, those playmakers. And that's what makes the difference between a Philadelphia Eagle team and a Seattle Seahawks team is the fact that the quarterback makes smart decisions and the team still puts playmakers around their quarterback. Yeah, and now let's get into who was a potential uh, teammate of Russell Wilson. Antonio Brown recently signs with the Tampa <sighs> Bay Buccaneers. Um, <sighs> yeah, he's eligible to return week eight. He has to go through COVID protocol first, you but Tom Brady ass. wanted Antonio Brown on this team. A few other people um, lobbied for him. Uh, I don't know if Coach Arians was lobbying for for him to come on the, uh, on the team, but nonetheless, he's there, and he's going to be on a very short leash oh, yeah. over there in Tampa Bay. Now, he signs a one-year deal. Not sure how much yet. But, you know, let, let me just bring up these Tom Brady with A.B. on the field stats. Tom threw 7-13, 90 yards uh, with the touchdown. And he had a uh, quarterback rating of 101.4. That's just with Antonio Brown on the field. Mm-hmm. And Antonio Brown's one game with the Pats, he had four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. There's no denying. What do you think? How do you think this team's going to do with Antonio Brown? There's no denying Antonio Brown's talent. It's just his head. Okay. Anybody that follows him on Instagram knows, all right, the, the shenanigans that he gets himself into. And sometimes the commitment to football for him isn't always there. So 
like you said, he is going to be on a very short leash. Um, Bruce Arians isn't one of those guys that tolerates a whole lot of foolishness. All right. He he will cut ties with you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And that's period point blank. So Antonio Brown has a very rare opportunity that not many players get. And that is a second. No, not even a second. He gets a third chance. A, technically, fourth chance. Because if we consider the Raiders and the Patriots, fourth chance. He's yeah. getting a fourth chance. And that's because he's talented. However, he's still a headache in the locker room. He needs to change that. Um, he needs to change that reputation about him. If he fails to do that, then he's going to be out the door, and he's not going to get um, any more opportunities. He's got to focus, all right? Listen, it's one of those things where you, you just can't have everybody in your corner and in your ear telling you what to do. Or if you do have people in your corner, you need to have some no people with you instead of always having a bunch of yes people around you. Sometimes you just need right. a couple people just be like, nah, man, that's not that's not a good idea. You shouldn't do that. Prime example of the shenanigans that he's gotten himself into, and it's because of the fact that he does not have people checking him. Listen, Antonio Brown, cool. You're back in the NFL. Don't squander this opportunity. All right, you're in a position where people dream of, people wish they could be in the NFL. And here it is, you're getting your fourth opportunity, your fourth opportunity to get this right. If you don't get it right this time, then you're foolish. You are a straight fool. All right. Now, in terms of what he's going to bring to a team, he's already coming to a stacked team with Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans. Man, already with Tom Brady. And that high and that high octane offense that likes to go deep, oh my goodness, the Buccaneers are something to fear in the NFC. All right, I still have them going to the NFC Championship at the bare minimum. He's gonna bring he brings yeah, something he brings something to the team. He brings a, a he brings a, another deep threat to a team that already is stacked with weapons, and that's that's pretty scary. It really is. Yeah. So we mentioned Antonio Brown, the Bucks, and we mentioned how he was on the Raiders. Now there's a there there's a matchup to watch this week mm-hmm. in football, and that's the Raiders against the Buccaneers. And let me tell you, if the Buccaneers lose to the Raiders, the Raiders go and they win this game, they gotta be taken seriously. I agree. Uh, Coach Gruden, he's got a great team going on. He He's working Derek Derek Carr. He's yes, he playing is. great. And just imagine if Antonio Brown was on this Raiders team. They, they'd be so much better. They but, would. I mean, T, what team to you is really surprising you? And I know we kind of talked about this last show, mm-hmm. but what team, what NFL team, not just player, is surprising you this season? Man, for me, it's the Bills. First off, the Bills continue to build their team, and they're an overlooked team a lot of times in that AFC conference. And you can't overlook the Bills anymore. Okay, Josh Allen has really developed his throwing mechanics, all right, compared to last year. This year, he went from a 50-something percentage throwing to now I think he's throwing in the 70% 70% um, area. So that's really impressive. And that team's only going to get better so long as he gets better. That team is stacked defensively. But, man, if Josh Allen continues to develop, 
that's going to be a team that everybody needs to look out for. And everybody knows, you know, how I feel about the Tennessee Titans, man. And my boy down there with Derrick Henry. All right. That, that dude is a beast. He is that team. All right. So long as he gets those carries and Ryan Tannehill, honestly, I thought Ryan Tannehill was going to be the main problem for that team. Ryan Tannehill is actually a very important cog in that team. And that's really impressive, man. Like Ryan Tannehill isn't, isn't, Man, he's he's fallen literally right into place for that offense, and that's beautiful. That's exactly what you want, man. So those two teams are teams I think people really need to start paying attention to and looking out for. Well, they already knew pretty much knew about the Titans, but the Bills, you can't overlook the Bills anymore in that AFC East. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill talk about uh, taking advantage of, you know, opportunities given. And then you have Josh Allen, who's coming off of, uh, you know, not – not too good of games, but he's got a likely a good matchup against the New York Jets, who are just um, you know they they could they could be in the NFC East. Um, <laughs> by the by the way that they've always been playing uh, for you know our recent memory, it's always been the Jets. Just you know, not a good team. No, uh, I'll put it lightly. Not at all. But then let, let's go to the Ravens, who a team that we. You know, we kept in with we kept in that game against the Ravens and they just got a little bit better adding Yannick to their team from the Vikings. Um, he was on the Jaguars, the Vikings for a little bit. And then so they trade him to the Baltimore Ravens and they basically get their picks back. They give I believe it was a, a third round yeah. pick um, for next year and then in 2022 a fifth round pick Mm -hmm. so the vikings basically get uh what they gave back for yannick um but this this ravens team t tell me about them what where how far do you see them going man um it can go only as far as they want themselves to go Here's the thing that I told everybody. Um, we didn't we didn't really get into um the loss to the Ravens. Well, hold on. But, not to mention, not to mention that Des Bryant might be a member of this yes. team as well. Yes. So we didn't really talk about that loss to the Ravens. However, given that, I feel as though with that game, they let the Eagles come back. Okay. They had their throat on our necks the entire game. They did what they wanted to do against this offense and against that defense. So given that, they have to learn that, you know, if you want to finish teams in the NFL, you cannot allow them to come back like that. That was way too close to comfort. I can almost guarantee you John Harbaugh lit their behinds up in that locker room after that game for letting that game get that close. Because to be honest with you, that game wasn't that close. Okay, the Ravens can only go as far as they want themselves to go. That's what I mean by that. All right, you cannot get complacent with the talent that you have. Yes, you are talented. Yes, you are a threat. Yes, you are powerful in the AFC conference. However, you cannot you cannot get lazy, okay? You cannot think to yourself, "Okay, we got this we got this team in the bag or this team is weak. We're just going to play around with them for about 3 quarters, 3 maybe 2 and a half, 3 quarters, and then you know, we're just going to sit back and kick back. No, that's how teams are going to come back on you. So this Ravens team is very undisciplined in terms of that. So here's the thing that they need to do if they really want to be a difference maker in this AFC. They got to really, men- mental-wise, they got to straighten up. 
I think if they straight straighten up their mentality, their mentality, and the fact that they think that you know you can just be lazy against any NFL team on any given Sunday, then I think they can be a serious threat. But until then, they got to straighten that up. Yeah, and they get Yannick going into a their next game after the bye is against the Steelers. Yep, um, and that's going to be an important game for that division. It is tough. They got the Browns who. They lost um, their last game. Baker Mayfield did not have a good game, and they really need to focus on the ground game now. And that's yeah, – what's that say about Baker Mayfield if that team needs to focus more on the ground game? They got Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nick Chubb's injured, but they got they got guys to rally around. They got Odell, Jarvis. That's a tough division over there. It you is. got – I mean, we don't, we don't really have to talk about the Bengals, who we all counted as losing to. Yes. Um, and that's that's a tough division with the Steelers up and coming now with Big Ben back, and we, you know, we we know far too much about this division this year. This and that AFC you know, North has always we're been lucky. AFC North has always yeah. been a tough division. Um, throughout the years, they've always been able to draft talent well and develop them into a system, and they're not afraid of changing and adapting. That AFC North will always be competitive for as far as I'm concerned. All right, as a matter of fact, that's the prime definition of a good division. All right, now the Bengals now are also on the up and up now. I believe they are starting to get themselves together. All right, they're, going, they're probably in the next two, three years are going to be a threat in that division as well. So you can, you're going to have four powerhouses in one division. That's really That's really scary to think about. Yeah, and that's just the opposite of how the NFC East division is. Oh, T, as we wrap up the yeah. NFL talk, we um hopefully next show we're talking about. Uh, we won't be able to talk about an Eagles win or we know loss it's hard. on Sunday because we played on Thursday. But we come back next Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. T, this is an important game. Surprise, Bunch of hatred between these two teams. I love it. I love the enthusiasm every time we play Dallas. But what I love more is coming away with the win. Doug Peterson, he he came away with a division win on Thursday night. He's now 6-0 and on Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. And that's the best record in the NFL during that span. The Eagles are 6-0 and during under Coach Peterson. It's and like- hopefully – it's like you said, man, Dallas week is a huge week. It does not matter what the Eagles are doing. It does not matter if they're right. doing good. It does not matter if they're doing bad. All right, the fans can be out of the, the rest of the season, but the one thing they're going to stand up for, the one thing we are going to stand up for is Dallas week. All right, it is Dallas week, baby. I could care less what this team did yeah. in the last six weeks. All right, now it's time to beat the damn Dallas Cowboys. All right, there's no there's no crapping around. All right, I want to see some bloodshed. I want to see I want to see some pain on the Dallas Cowboys face. All right, stomp their throats. They're starting Andy Dalton now with the unfortunate injury to Dak Prescott. Take advantage of that, okay? That defense is crumbling. That entire team is crumbling under Mike McCarthy. I don't know if you've seen some of the reports that's coming out, but you know, players are speaking out to the media, basically saying that these coaches aren't teaching them anything and that they don't agree with the coaching that's going on. Listen, here in Philadelphia, we're a crap show too. 
But at least you don't hear players going to the media saying that our team is falling apart. They are falling apart well, at the seams. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get those players that that are just going to go to the media and spill the bean beans. We uh we witnessed that last season. Mm-hmm. But T, we got to wait now. We got to wait till the Cowboys play their game against Washington and. You know, if they go into this game against us with with a losing streak now of two games, I'm worried. I'm worried because now they're going to be set. They definitely have to win this game against us. If they want to keep their season alive. They can't have a three-game uh, losing streak. They're going to go in, and they're going to play against Washington. They're going to – I think they're going to win. I'm hoping they win for what I said. You never want to hope that the Cowboys win, but for this <laughs> aspect, I do because – because they're they're going against us, and I don't want them to have too much, you know, too much to fight for at that point. As you mentioned, Andy Dalton's in there under center, and this is a different team. We saw Zeke fumble the ball twice in yes. a row, so they're they're working on their things too. But they won't have as much time to prepare. And that's not now, something. Let's go over. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's go over to the basketball court too. All right. NBA is slowly NBA approaching time. its comeback. All right. Uh, the Lakers, as we know, walked away. Uh, finals champions. LeBron James gets another ring. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, top of the world right now. He he did what he said he was going to do. Now, the NBA, they're pursuing a pre-Christmas day and 72-game uh, schedule. They're going to try to avoid the bubble. And hey, I don't know time. how you feel. I'm going to run this by you. Right. What I was, what I heard during this discussion was that since they're trying to avoid really a bubble, they're going to play sort of like the MLB in series wise. Now, if the Nets say travel to travel to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know why I'm using a different team instead of our own. Because, <laughs> For the most part, I, I'm done with our team. Yeah, Let's switch it up. The Sixers travel to L.A. Okay. They would play all their games that they had in the season against L.A. on that stance. Hmm. They'd play – I don't know if they're going to play three games in a row or they're they're staying there a week and they play throughout the seven days they play three games or, two, or just two against the Lakers. I don't know how it's going to work so far, but they're also proposing a play-in tournament and no all-star weekend and a two-week break in the middle of the season uh what do you think what do you think this um what do you think the Sixers are going to need to do to get ready for this season there's a lot of things that the Sixers need to um do in order to get ready for the season one of them being is you've got to find a supporting cast what I mean by that is Let's say they do keep, let's say, let's erase the episode that we talked about either trading Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, all right? Let's say they keep both of them, (laughs) all right? If you keep both of them, you still need a supporting cast around them, okay? One of the biggest problems that this Sixers squad has had in recent years is the lack of a bench, all right? When you get rid of J.J. Redick, when you get rid of T.J. McConnell, all right? These are players that, you know, build up a bench, all right, a reliable bench, a bench that can really spell your starters. If you don't have a bench, you're not going to go very far in the NBA. You're just not. All right, I don't care how many superstars that you have. That's the one thing that that's the one thing that you know that won the Lakers that um 
the championship series is the fact that they do have an adequate bench to be able to spell those starters and they're able to rotate their stars. So when LeBron needs some rest, you still got to deal with Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis wants some rest, you still got to deal with LeBron. They worked their rotation perfectly. Okay. And they're, then their players complemented each other. Their talents complemented each other. It's one thing to just get talent, but the talent has to complement each other. Okay. So whoever you bring in, yeah, they got to compliment Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. One of those things being is that you've got to bring in shooters. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've you got to have shooters, especially considering if you're going to keep Ben Simmons and he's still going to refuse to hit a jump shot, all right, you've got to bring in some shooters around him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, all right? So with that being said, you got to develop your bench, all right? You got to get you got to get some rotational guys up in there. And you got to get guys that are going to help your talent elevate their game. So, you know, that was and that was one of the things that I felt like the 76ers squad under Brett Brown didn't have all the time was that was a good first off, a good rotation, a rotation that makes sense. And you're putting good players out there. And on top of that, having the talent necessary to be able to finish the games. So. Man, it's a it's a it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of things that this Sixers team, Sixers squad has to do if they're going to keep Joel and beat him Ben Simmons. But I, I just don't see us. I'm struggling because I just don't see a scenario where, you know, they can keep both of them and still have the talent necessary to be competitive in the Eastern Conference. They got to get rid of one of those guys. Like I'm convinced at this point, one guy has got to go. I don't know who, but. One of those guys got to go. Yeah. Well, you, you talk about building building this team, and the draft is November 18th, and following that is free agency. So this is going to be a busy uh, beginning of, of this season for the NBA, and we're just going to have to sit back and watch how Doc Rivers really examines this team and makes them a better team going forward. And it's going to be exciting seeing a new head coach in Philadelphia since um, since Coach Brown was here, and maybe he'll have a better connection with his players. Now let's go to the MLB. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Have you been watching the World Series? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I've ca- I've caught some okay. dive. I caught some Dodgers action. <laughs> well, if you missed last night's game, it was Game Three, mm-hmm. and the Dodgers walked away with that win. And now up. One they play tonight, Saturday they see, um, they they have Julio um and Ryan Yarbrough on the mound for both teams, um, and it's going to be a tough matchup. It is uh for this Rays team now facing a a Dodgers team that just seems to be elite. You saw Walker Bueller last night; he had a great game. Uh, he's the first pitcher in World Series history to have 10-plus strikeouts in an outing of six innings or less. Uh, they, they just seem to have everything working for them, too, and I'm jealous. As a Philadelphia Phillies fan, I am jealous. This team is so good. Yeah, I would be um, jealous of any team that has a damn rotation. Let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is going to be a bullpen game for the Rays, and – we're probably going to be jealous uh, watching that too, watching the, uh, the Rays bullpen actually successful. And, um, you know, I, I do think that the Dodgers are going to walk away 
with uh, the World Series. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, Game Four, as I mentioned, is tonight. I just think the Dodgers have a little bit more firepower than the Rays do. However, that's the one thing those teams separate themselves from the Phillies is the fact that that bullpen, that bullpen rotation, that's something that we've been talking about this entire season. Listen, you brought in Joe Girardi um, to coach up this team to be the manager, and you still didn't fix the primary problem um, with this team, and that was the bullpen rotation. Now, hopefully – um, with us getting a new general manager, hopefully that'll change some things about the mentality of this bullpen rotation. But, you know, until you get that, this Phillies team just isn't going anywhere. Listen, it's it's something that we discussed um, last season, and it's something that we discussed this season. Yeah. And it's the simple fact that we have plenty of batters. We have guys that can score. We score. That is, that's not the issue. We can score on anybody. We just don't have the starting pitchers. Oh. And the rotational pitchers. Sorry to interrupt you, T. We mm-hmm. have breaking news. All right. Um, Deshaun Jackson has a ankle fracture. <sighs> okay, he's reportedly out. That's six even worse. To eight weeks, and he he intends to continue his NFL career, but I don't. Oh know no! Playing really in an Eagles jersey. I don't again. And that's just not news you want to see, especially with a struggling wide receiver core. Um, I don't know when when Rager is to is to estimated to come back. He, I think it's soon. It yeah, be soon, right? he is supposed. He's um he's scheduled to come back after the bye week. So not this upcoming game against the Cowboys, but after the Cowboys, we have a bye week. So um after the bye week, he he's expected to come back. So hopefully that would boost All this right. wide receiver room. But that's devastating news to hear. I don't think you're yeah. going to see Deshaun Jackson in the Eagles uniform again. Yeah, and I'm definitely excited to see Rager back. We didn't see too much of him before going out with the injury, and we're just going to see how he picks it up. Like, these practice squad players have been playing, and hopefully he plays a little better because we did draft him first round. Yes. Um, over a couple of other players that we were really looking forward to, some players who were really showing out these past um, these past couple of weeks in the NFL, but back to the MLB to wrap this show up. I wish Chris was here with us. Yes. So we could talk about Max Muncie. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. I, if <laughs> He's going to listen back to the show. He's going to hit us up on the text, man. He is going to rip us to shreds. Oh, boy. you piece of Swiss it's cheese. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's not only Max Muncie on this team. You got Corey Seager. You got Justin Turner. Uh, their outfield is just elite with Betts, Bellinger, and Pollock. And th- both teams got a starting, ro- a good, even starting rotation. And the Rays, they have a better bullpen. So it's going to be interesting going into tonight's game because it's going to be a bullpen game for the Rays Yeah, uh, with that tough matchup on the mound for them. And it, it's that I know the Dodgers are favored. But I hope the Rays make it close because I'd I'd like to see Tampa Bay uh, with their first World Series win. It's only their second trip there, and you know what happened their first time there. T uh, Philadelphia had yeah, spanked them and yeah. uh, and cut and leave with the trophy. So that's that's you know we talk about it's the ridiculous. World Series. That's the only thing we can talk about. Two thousand eight, uh, <laughs> <T>, and <laughs> that that's what does it for us. That's true. Um, yeah, I I hear what you're saying about the Rays, and you know, oh, 
you know, you can wish them to get their first one. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just think this Dodgers team is just way too um, stacked with talent, and they play really well. Um, their rotation is really good. I just don't see it. And, um, yeah, shout out to Max Muncy for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. That about does it for our show this week. And, T, uh, do your thing. All right. You guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. And listen, Bird's Nest with the boys the day after Eagles games. I am the host of Gridiron Films. We're going to break down some new stuff this week. All right, so stay tuned for that. Follow us on Instagram. I'm going to be coming out with a poll. All right, I'm going to see what you guys want me to break down for um, during the course of these extra weeks and during the course of the bye week. So stay tuned for that. pisses me off in my opinion that sucks kind of circumcising the mosquito <laughs> i'm not giving jerry jones my money F- that guy